Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast, starring Dave Schilling, Kenny McIntosh, Willie Sojourner, Joey Devine, Cliff Feely, Mike Newman, Sean Keane. Charlie Elberton, Patreons, Baron Modelli, Fraudlicit, thank you Frauds, thank you Barrett, Scott Leedy, thank you Scott, always read the name, no actual real name, but thank you always read the we read the name. Musical guest, Toto. And now the temporary host of Brown Ball Rock, Joey Devine. Hi, it's me, Joey Devine, your temporary host of Round Ball Rock. And we are back with another brand new off-season episode. I'm here, as always, with permanent co-host Sean Keen. Sean, how are you? I'm good. I'm on the road. You have been on the road a lot lately. That's right. I'm a rambling man. <laughs> you you are a Just rambling man. Trying to make man. a living. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> uh, I was in Mill Valley last night. Oh, that's where my aunt lived. Yeah. Um, very boring place to be a child. Mill yeah, Valley. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, if you're not into um, other old people and uh, wine and like. Scented soaps. Weird jewelry stores. Um, before we get into our show, as always, it's time to talk about some business. Uh, if you like the show, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's weird they only give five stars, blah, 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 that bit. Um, 
patreon.com slash roundrockpod, Twitter at roundrockpod, email us at roundrockpod at gmail.com. That's it, right? I did everything? You did everything. Yeah. Um, Now it's up to you, readers. (laughs) um, Sean, I have a question for you. Uh, Did you watch any of the USA Basketball FIBA final? Not the final final, but the one where they lost to France. No, I didn't watch that game at all. I saw they lost, and I was just like, yep. So you have not heard how Tom Thibodeau was talking? Oh, I have not, no. Oh, my God. Um, Tom Thibodeau, it was 9-11, and it was 5 in the morning, um, West Coast time, and uh, Tom Thibodeau called the whole game like this. It sounded like he was both in remembrance of 9-11 and also asleep. At the same time. <laughs> so he'd be like, uh, like, France would do something crazy, and then he'd be like, oh, that's a great play right there. Oh, such a good play. Oh. Wow, what a screen. It sounded like he was locked in someone's closet calling the game and was, like, afraid they were going to find him. Now, look, this is... <laughs> This is not. Tom Thibodeau not, is the hider in the house, is what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I could, I could definitely say that. I also feel like um, this, this is about Tom Thibodeau and not the nation of China. But I feel like being in China would make Tom Thibodeau, in particular, like really uncomfortable. That's just th- because like his snacks weren't available. But that's the thing. He was not in China. He was calling the game remotely from Bristol. Oh, so he re- he really was in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN only sent Brian Windhorst to China, I think. <laughs> Sending Winnie by himself to China also seems like like you're not you're not sending I don't know, maybe Wendy has a great time in China, but I have a feeling he doesn't. <laughs> Um, do you think he found, Brian Windhorst found any deals in China at any stores? Yes, he now has a lot of hookups for, like, like fake like, suits, has, right? Yeah, he has what he thinks are hookups, but are actually just, um, deals that are from the Wish app. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I bet in China, and he started to talk about how, like, certain colors have a lot of power, people would be like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're correct. That's, <laughs> yeah, you gotta... You're not focusing enough on the Zodiac, but otherwise yeah. you're, you're coming at this from a pretty good angle. Dude. Also, um, Brian, what numbers have power? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> see, like, this is going to open up. He's gonna have, do you think he could get into like throwing the I Ching? No, let's be honest. That's, <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, he probably I don't I don't think I don't think Brian Windhorse would consent to like a tarot card reading either. No. Brian Windhorst is, uh, I mean, he's the best. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just don't get the feeling that he is open to a lot of uh, different uh, experiences. No, he lives in Omaha, Nebraska, even though he covers the NBA. Um, I mean, he also, uh, doesn't he feel like a guy who, like, either only eats white foods or doesn't eat white foods. Uh-huh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I think he probably has a pretty strong opinion about, like, uh, 
whether a sandwich should have a crust or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, all right, should we talk about some reader mail? This is Round Ball Rock Reader Mail. Communications from listeners. Why do we call it reader mail? It is confusing for robots. Actually, you know what? I'm going to find Tibbs right now so I can play him here okay. uh, for our listeners. Because there is a reader question that I really like. Yeah, and we need uh, to get about that vibe. <laughs> um, so here is Tom Thibodeau calling the French game. The USA versus France FIBA game. Let's see Gobert up a little bit more on the, on the pick and roll. Swarming defense by the U.S. Very good. Good ball pressure there. Nicolo at Gobert, the point. Very good flipping screens. There's another post up. And, and a steal. Right there, Albisi, and that's what... Uh, again, five-out offense. Barnes, great, great cut again. Right now, we have a quick quickness advantage and uh, looking to spread them out. Kemba Walker has really picked up his defense in this tournament also. Very good, very physical. Fouls in the NBA, but that, that's not the way it's it's called here. Marcus Smart with great defense on Fournier. There's a little more aggression. Good rotation by Middleton, low man. He's playing with a lot more confidence. Uh, I like him. I think he's a good young player. Very strong. Get you on this hip. Create space. And smart. Playing terrific. Getting downhill. He's got great rhythm here. 24 points for the Jazz star. Throughout the tournament, there's a good deflection, high hands, open floor. I think Pop has found a group here that's very effective. No, we haven't done that yet. And I think that's a good point. I, he's, he's been through it before. Great offensive rebound there, good extra pass. Harris. Wide open three. Barnes knocks down Great the play. three. Off the high screen, Walker, step back, jumper, knocks it down. Smart basketball. Hey, Lakina. Got to make sure you're up on him. Got the switch. Gobert in the post. You're making a great point. All right, our first question comes from Feeling Minnesota, and it's about Tom Thibodeau. Yeah! <laughs> and he asks, what activity in your life would you like spiced up with Tom Thibodeau's mundane, mumbling color commentary? You know, I was thinking he would be like a hilarious bartender to have if he was narrating all his activities as well, like, like cutting, up some, cutting up some limes. I got this what we got on draft. Uh. <laughs> that's not bad uh i would like to hear him call my 
myself playing video games over a Twitch stream. Just like the worst <laughs> Twitch stream in the world. Like an almost 40-year-old man poorly uh -huh. playing video games while a mumbling Tom Thibodeau is like not excited at all about it. You know, no, he's and, like... And <laughs> flashing back to his nightmare with Andrew Wiggins <laughs> and Jimmy Butler. And he's just like, oh, you got to reload your gun right there uh, or else the other team's going to push you. Uh, you know, oh, he's, oh, they're throwing grenades. He's getting grenades at. Oh, they're throwing grenades at him. Oh, my God, grenades. Oh, that's a good good running running away there. He keeps calling the game uh, two weeks because he doesn't understand the Fortnite fun. Um, uh, how dare things. you think I play Fortnite, by the way? What am I, a child? Uh, <laughs> Haven't you played Fortnite before? I've played it twice, I think. Oh, okay, it is okay. It is not... I don't have... Uh, here's the thing about Fortnite, Sean. Uh -huh. um, this is very boring, probably, but... Uh, Fortnite is the only video game that's ever made me feel old when I play oh, it. Oh no! Because it uh, it's a lot about uh, making your character emote and do those dances the children do on jumbotrons. Yes. Uh, it's also a lot of running around, but you also like build things uh -huh. uh, and shoot people at the same time. And my brain could only do one because I did not. I was not raised on Minecraft. Minecraft like every oh, right. every other child. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. And now, yeah, you got to be able to. Your multitasking goes in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. Our next question comes from uh, M. Burchett, and he asks. Sean and I were talking about Raymond Felton and Blazers fans being petty, which is okay. Fans get to be petty about stupid shit. It's fun. So what are your pettiest moments as a fan? Oh, this is a good question. Now, I will thank M. Burchett for reminding me, uh, talking in the, the always popping off Discord chat that you get access to as a Patreon. Um, I had forgotten that Raymond Felton... Uh, challenge to fight everyone in Portland. Mm -hmm. He did. I didn't. I didn't realize he. He was like, "Here's where I live. Come, come, fight me. Your hands will get stuck in my squishy belly." Uh, I guess that's actually the blob from uh, the Marvel universe that I'm describing, and not. Really <laughs> um, God, who did I have? Who do I have like a petty feud? You know, it, there's a lot of warriors where I feel like they deserved it. You know what I mean? Like, like with Mike Dunleavy Jr., is it petty to hate Mike Dunleavy Jr.? No. No, it's not. Like, like that's many years of being terrible. Um, I do think, I will say, um, I was petty to David Lee the entire time he was a Golden State Warrior. Oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Because, like, <laughs> that that's interesting that that's a guy who... It's like the perfect recipe for inviting some scorn because a guy who's like not so bad that he wouldn't play and still does some good things, but is like overpaid and forced the Warriors to send away Anthony Randolph. Well, and he was blocking the Warriors best player for two seasons, basically. I mean, second best player for two seasons where 
everyone who was watching was like, just play Draymond at power forward. Bench David Lee. But each coach had to wait for David Lee to get hurt several times to play Draymond Green at power forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Draymond Green, Mark Jackson would play him at the two and three occasionally. Yeah. And that was not great. And Steve Kerr didn't even have him in the rotation when he first started his job. Right. Um, That is an important thing to remember about Steve Kerr for you non-Warrior fans out there. Uh, When he started uh, as as the Golden State Warriors head coach, uh, he wasn't sure the team should keep Draymond Green until David Lee got hurt and he started playing him at the correct position. (laughs) I mean, he's he's also the man who traded for Shaq to play with Steve Nash in 2008. (laughs) Yeah. Dude likes uh, conventional lineups. It's almost likes- like this team is a curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I'm probably pretty petty to Steve Kerr. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's... I guess that's... Yeah, that's probably fair. The thing is, though, it's... The difference between David Lee and Steve Kerr is that, like, David Lee, you feel a little bad about it because... David Lee, like, you know, he really did help the team get better. He just happened to be a worse fit than Draymond, who, you know, was not even on the team for his first two years. Mm -hmm. Um, With Steve Kerr, feels like he gets a lot of slack. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He he seems like uh, he's having a lot of winning. Now, I I know his back hurts, but, like, he got the Warriors job in part because he uh, golfed with an incredibly rich man regularly. Here's a question, Sean. If Uh and when Steve Kerr leaves, uh, Uh is Joe Lacob just going to hire another TV commentator? I mean, it depends on who hangs out with him, I think. Because, yeah, because he's got Jackson and Kerr. Uh Uh-huh. Is it time for Jeff Van Gundy? No, I think I know who it is. It's going to be Brent Berry, right? Uh... (laughs) <laughs> I mean that the is is it worth the gamble of increasing Rick Barry's access to the team? Oh, fair point. Excellent. I don't know point. if Rick and Brent get along, honestly. I don't think they do. I think most of I mean, I think that a lot of Rick Barry's children, much like a lot of Rick Barry's acquaintances, don't like to spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> Um, Should I play Rick Barry yelling at the Warriors fans oh, right now? Yes, right. please do. Please do. Hey, one second here. Come on, people. You fans are the greatest fans in the world. That's everybody said that. Show a little bit of class. This is a man that I've spent some time talking to. He is going to change this franchise. This is crazy. Seriously. Come on. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I, I generally don't consider myself a very petty fan, though, um, actually. No, it's, uh, like... Because I'm always, like, my reaction to rooting for bad teams has always been like, oh, of course, this is my fault for rooting for this team. Like, I Why knew I this was gonna anything? happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's not like... A lot of the guys who have come to the Warriors and not been like 
it's hard to resent Anderson Barajal for simply being old and Steve Kerr playing him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel the same thing about, like, Festus Azili, where it's kind of like, well, that guy was doing his best. Well, uh, the, I even love guys that the old warrior, the shitty warriors overpaid and played too much and they were terrible. Like, I love Calvert Chaney. <laughs> Calvert Chaney is a, that is, uh, what that, is, that really demonstrates everything about the Warriors' decision making, which almost feels like they just remembered him from college. Yeah. I love Speedy and, Claxton. You know what I mean? I do, like, I do like Speedy Claxton a lot, actually. Uh, yeah, is there is there any warrior? I'm trying to think of who like was a real weapon. I guess Derek Fisher, but there's just so many real reasons. To there's hate Derek. a lot. Yeah, I hate Derek Fisher for reasons outside of. Um, I hated him before he got there. I hated him when he was there. I hated him more when he left. Yeah, I hate him more now. Well, like, like every time I learn something about Derek Fisher, I hate him. More. Well, and the other reason to hate Derek Fisher is uh, he. Um, <laughs> as a Warrior fan, is uh, he was their second choice behind Brent Berry, actually, speaking of oh, Brent that's Berry. Right. And Brent Berry was super fun and cool, and then you get Derek fucking Fisher. Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> God, just, just a con artist in every sense of the word. Um, But yeah, like, I love Andres Biedrins still. Yeah, man. Monte... <laughs> Still like Monday. I mean, we all hate Corey Maggette, but that is, and even that is like I. It's just such a. It is. It is a maddening form of basketball. Yeah, but like if I saw Corey Maggette, I would be happy to see him. Yes, if but I like, never want to watch him play basketball. No, again. no, it's just it's yeah, just a, yeah. <laughs> and and and. Yeah, and the decision to sign him was so terrible. And, you know, and basically they got exactly what they should have expected from Corey McGetty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, that's that's an awful thing to have delivered to your house every day. Um, But, yeah, even somebody who Warriors fans hated at the time, like Larry Riley, is, uh-huh. like, popular now. Because they're like, hey, he drafted Steph Curry, even though he also did 8 million other terrible things. Yeah, yeah, just anyone who wasn't Chris Cullen or um, Robert Rowell. Robert Rowell. <laughs> God, where do you think that guy is now? I don't know. I don't. I can't explain to our listeners who he is right now, so we gotta move on. Yeah, you're right, you're right. It's too crazy. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to find him on LinkedIn, and I'm gonna recommend this team for him. Um, Alright, <laughs> our... Uh, Our friend John Sullivan asks, 10 years in, the worst thing we got from The Dark Knight is that future directors thought that three-hour superhero movies were an acceptable thing. What thing from the last decade of NBA disruption slash thinkfluencing do you think misinterpreted what actually helped teams enjoyably win basketball games? Um, I will start off by saying uh, Batman Begins is almost as long as The Dark Knight. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that movie's way too long. It mm-hmm. is just, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So the last decade of thinkfluencing. I mean, I know, I think I know what it is. It's the fucking, uh, the Nets trade. Um, oh, oh, that people that wait, that. 
just people have, are now overvaluing oh. first round picks. Oh, because they because, because they saw how- the Nets crater and the Celtics uh, fly, and it's like, um, I get that first round picks are valuable, but they're not worth like fifteen million dollar players. Well, the other thing that was just very strange about that trade is uh, it it was a weird move to – I mean, okay, obviously they gave up way too much. Um, It is completely insane that Bobby Marks is allowed to be an NBA authority (laughs) after that happened. I also kind of feel like they were probably getting pressure from Mikhail Prokhorov who was just like – Make the deal happen. You know, we want mm-hmm. we want big tickets. Um, but the year before they made the trade, uh, they won 49 games. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did lose in the playoffs, but like it wasn't like a team that needed detonation, I would say. But also, I don't think it's even the worst trade that Nets team made <laughs> involving a draft pick. Oh yeah, the, the the trade where they trade Lillard for, for the Gerald, Gerald Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, that's yeah. a worse trade for sure. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like, yeah. I generally just mean like I think that first round picks are overvalued now. Um, they were undervalued, but now it's like uh, it's the money ball thing where uh, now on base percentage is an overpay in baseball. Oh. Let me I'm going to say that I think actually the the idea that every shot should be a three pointer or a layup Mm -hmm. is just this misguided approach that just like pretends like the playoffs don't exist. You know, what I mean, like like it it I know that teams will shoot a lot of three pointers and succeed, but but just this idea that you should be locked in that efficiency is the most important thing rather than like diversity and having different options. And I mean, a lot of that is just driven by, it's really easy to look at the numbers and see that it's like, it's very easy to go to to basketball reference and just be like, Oh, Oh, offensive rating. Oh, three point rate. And it just, for the most part, has not really been <laughs> the the winning philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, a lot of mid ranging that uh, has been necessary for a lot of teams. Uh, I kind of disagree with that one because uh, at least the I I'm into layups and threes. It's just more fun to watch. Um, you really I I I don't really like people taking like fifty threes in the game. I find that kind of unwashable. I like the I, like the Rockets. I They're found not it fun to watch. well, but the Rockets are not fun to watch for other reasons, like uh, because they have passed one time of possession if they pass at all. Um, that to me is more the pro- thing that makes the Rockets unwatchable. Um, but to me, I like the corner three pointer. I like, uh, I don't know. Um, but oh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, I get not liking that, but also I found uh, basketball where guys would dribble twice to the elbow and shoot every single time also incredibly boring to watch, or as I like to call it, the Kobe Bryant form of basketball. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I'm gonna, I am gonna say that that boring Kobe thing has a better track record of success than uh, the Rockets model. I mean, sure. Uh, it has a worse track of success than the Golden State Warriors model, though, as well. No, that um, that that is true. Um, I just think uh, ball movement is actually more important. That's partly the problem with what the Rockets have done. Uh, but oh, the thing about first round picks, though, is like okay, so like if you remember when the uh, not to always... Oh God, this is becoming like a Warriors podcast. But, Ooh. like... Uh, and, I, you know, I hate talking about Kill the Warriors. Em. But, like, people being, like... Uh, when the Warriors traded three first-round picks to get off Andres Biedrins and sign Andre Iguodala, like, if you look at the, um, like, people's trade grades, they were like, mm, I don't know, that's too many first-round picks for Andre Iguodala. And it's like, okay, so they traded, they ended up trading Gorgie Jang. And, like, uh, I don't even remember who the other two picks ended up being for Andre uh, Iguodala. <laughs> yeah, it's, um... Well, I mean, you, you see it very quickly that everybody... The problem is that I think I think there's a lot of very quick analysis to a trade and just looking at stuff on paper. But look at what. OK, so Atlanta mm -hmm. was acquiring a bunch of first round picks recently. And, you know, they they traded Luka Doncic because it was like, well, we get a lottery pick next year and we're only moving down two spaces. And then one year later, they had so many picks that they were just selling them off right. and packaging them. And it was like, it was one year after they started this pick acquisition process. And a lot of that's what's happened with the Sixers. If you look at what they did with all their horde of second round picks, they're all just like getting sold off. And like, there, there's a such thing as just having, uh, too many, too many players. <laughs> yeah. Like, so uh, the, yeah. Let me let me tell you who the Warriors did give up along with Andres Biedrins, Richard Jefferson, and Brandon Rush. Uh, the picks became Rodney Hood, uh, Ty Wallace, Josh Hart, and Alpha Kaba. Mm -hmm. And then two, are the, guys the Rodney picked. Hood doesn't one of those one of those becomes Gorgie Jang somehow. I don't remember exactly how. It's like they trade one of the picks for two picks, right? Uh, I'm sure they do. They also trade a second rounder who becomes, um, big white guy, Thomas Welsh. Okay. Either way. Yeah. Like, regardless. Those yeah. are Josh Hart and, uh, Ronnie Hood are like fine players, but wouldn't you rather have Andre Iguodala for four years, um, and win three championships? That's kind of just the point I'm making. I'm just using that as an example because I know it the best. Uh, also, I like. Yeah, yeah. I just think yeah. once you have to make a pick, it's immediately not worth a guy you know already exists for the most part. Like, what? There's like maybe three impact players in a draft every year, and that's if it's a pretty good draft. You know, and it's good to have these guys, but like the clock already starts so quickly on people's cap moves. It's like, you know, Marco Fultz is, uh, 
going into his third year and he makes $10 million. And I'm not saying he's overpaid necessarily, but you just don't, you don't get that much slack in terms of your cap management and everything. But, you know, you can look at, look at the guys from the 2017 draft and it's already like, like even in like the, the lottery, there's a bunch of guys where you're like, "Eh, I don't know about that. It's two years ago. You've got Josh Jackson. Like, like you could argue that there's been no NBA value from Fultz, the first pick Josh Jackson, the fourth pick, the magic have gotten very little out of Jonathan Isaac. Knicks have not gotten a lot out of Frankie Smokes at eight or Dennis hey, Smith Frankie at nine. Hey, Frankie Smokes is a hero of FIBA this year, though. Yeah, he's a FIBA hero. But yeah, it's just like it's a lot of you know we're two years out of the lottery, and almost half the guys in the lottery are I don't know. Josh Jackson had negative value in that trade this summer, so. But yeah, I just think. Uh... And I love first round picks. I love the draft. I love young players, but at this point, uh, they're overvalued. I would rather have, uh, you know, a guy who's I know is going to be in the league than four years than a guy that might be in the right. league in seven. You know, a guy <laughs> like D'Angelo Russell. That's who you give up the first round picks for. I mean, I, that I'm not that into <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. We know this, but I do kind of. Uh, well, that trade is weird. Um, I mean, I think they maybe didn't need to trade all those picks for to get off Andre Iguodala. But anyway, yeah, that was a weird. That whole transaction thing seems like a weird combination of Kevin Durant being offended that the Warriors weren't trading more for him, and the the amplified voice of uh, Mike Dunleavy yeah. Jr. Which love learning that that Mike <laughs> Dunleavy Jr. is now in charge of the. Uh, my favorite team. Very tight. Love Mike Dunleavy Jr. All right, should we go to the news? <laughs> yeah, let's go. This is Round Ball Rock News. Basketball news. For humans and robots. Trust the process. All right, Sean, I haven't read this story yet because I wanted to not know about it and hear uh-huh. you explain it to me. Please, please, please explain our top story right now. Okay, well, <laughs> Joey, I'm glad you asked. Our top story this week, uh, Michael Jordan has finally achieved his destiny. Um, recently, we were we were introduced to red-eyed, um, just blazed as hell. Party Jordan. Turns up Party Jordan. Tequila Jordan. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. he's Te- been known. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, just that, that Michael Jordan's famous passion for basketball, gambling, and competitiveness has turned into an intense love of uh, tequila. And now, Michael Jordan has started a tequila business with uh, three other NBA owners, including round ball favorite and uh, just for laughs, 2020 invitee genie bus <laughs> amateur stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've invested in a company called Cinco tequila, which is like, I guess five and gold mashed together. Weird. I don't okay. Think, I don't think Cinco <laughs> means anything in Spanish, Joey. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, 
Oh no, I think it I think it is supposed to be like No, it's just supposed to mean 5 gold. That's it. Okay, great. Um so cool, the cool, his cool. co his co-founders <laughs> are uh this woman whose name is, hold on. Amelia Fazolari. Amelia Fazolari, she is married to Wick Grosbeck, the uh-huh. the Celtics uh, owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently the what started was uh Michael Jordan was at Pasquale Jones, which is a trendy pizza joint in Manhattan's Nolita neighborhood. Okay. Fuck, Never dude. heard That's of not that. A na- not a neighborhood, bitch. <laughs> Uh, and for some reason, Michael Jordan was having dinner with Jeannie Buss, uh, okay. the Bucks <laughs> owner, Wes Edens, oh, uh, Wick Grosbeck. Wes Edens is a, uh, a bad guy, right? We've learned that. Uh, or is it the yeah, other one? Was, no, he's, well, I mean, they're both bad for different reasons. Mark Lazary is Oh, like, it's Mark, sorry, it's Mark Lazary, not Wes Edens, that's in the, uh, the sex dungeon lawsuit, right? No, I think West e- no, Mark Lazary, I believe, is tied to no, no West Edens is the sex dungeon, the Wall Street sex dungeon guy. Mark Lazary <laughs> okay. is the guy who got pulled his ambassadorship got pulled <laughs> because Oh, because he's like a degenerate gambler. Oh, um, I'm okay with that. That's cool. Being a gambler also- is cool. Also, but also definitely in with Epstein. Oh, that he's from, sucks. Uh, he's from the same, like, uh, hedge fund tree. Um, yeah, he... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got, he got caught in the the Russian poker laundering thing that the Molly's game mm-hmm. was connected to. Cool. I love Molly's yeah, game. Yeah. So, so, but Wes I'm Edens sure is in the sex dungeon lawsuit, correct? Wes, Wes Edens is sex dungeon. Mark Lazary is Epstein gambling and probably a friendship with Toby Maguire, which might be the most troubling <laughs> of all of those. Um, okay, so they all are having dinner together at this pizza place. Um, in what neighborhood again? This is in... in <laughs> In uh, Nolita? Uh, yeah, that's not a neighborhood in New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reason is, and he was just waiting forever because Michael Jordan accidentally made the reservation for uh, a week ahead. So because they all were hanging out, there is a ridiculous picture of this tequila empire uh, <laughs> where they're all wearing, like, all the dudes are wearing those um, Louis C.K. tight black t-shirts that i'm kind of fat black yeah, t-shirts yeah, yeah uh-huh. i gotta get some of those by the way Joey. That, it's about time it's the gordon ramsay t-shirt uh-huh the uh also the simon cow one yeah the so ricky all, gervais yeah so all these you know you're not allowed to believe in god if you own that t-shirt right no you can't you can't you have it on that oops did i offend you do you get triggered joey sorry about that um, this is a hilarious story on Forbes, by the way, but, um, <laughs> so they all ended up at the hostess stand because these five billionaires, uh, couldn't make a fucking restaurant reservation. Wait a and second. A- Wait a second. Michael Jordan is not a billionaire. <laughs> uh, you're right. Well, he might be now that he sold a chunk of the Hornets. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Michael Jordan has 
made over a billion dollars, but <laughs> that doesn't make you a billionaire. Um, oh, you know what? Okay, according to Business Insider, he's worth one point nine billion. My bad. I mean, I think I think he just makes he still gives royalties on the Jordans of like thirty five percent or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so somehow Michael Jordan made them all start talking about tequila. He says it's the only spirit that feels like an upper. It's low calorie and can <laughs> it, wait. lighter hangover. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> this is some Bob Woodward ass. Will you read that quote again, please? Yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'm going to give you a little more. Uh, with no room at the bar, the group found themselves cramped by the hostess stand and started talking about tequila, Jordan's spirit of choice, which the Italian restaurant didn't serve, but they had all been drinking when they met up earlier at Soho House. Ugh. Oh, it's we're the, the Pod Save America guys there. Yeah, they, they live in the L.A. one <laughs> with uh, Beto and uh, Pete Buttigieg. a bunch of, like, Raytheon lobbyists, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the only spirit that feels like an upper, they agreed, and it's low calorie and can yield a lighter hangover. By the time they were seated, this multi-billion dollar table was discussing the specific characteristics they wished they could find on the shelf. A tequila with a smooth, long finish, like a fine cognac or whiskey. Um, and then uh, that she says, that, then Fazolari says, that's when we realized there was an opportunity in the market to create a new tequila, a better tequila. We let her hair down and become true friends that night. This seems like the group that I would I would think could improve on tequila, Joey. <laughs> the owner of the Celtics, Sex Creep West Edens, uh, sex raging creep alcoholic Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan Sex Creep. Michael <laughs> okay, Michael and, Jordan uh, isn't isn't a sex creep, but uh, you know he might be. <laughs> nah, he's. He's like a competitiveness. He's he's like a sociopath. He's like a human, yeah, he's a sociopath. He's a human interaction. No tipping. Other people aren't really real. Um, so it's and then and so, don't don't forget what's Jeannie Buss? Uh, Jay Moore's girlfriend. <laughs> oh come on, that's not fair. <laughs> I mean, she's dated Phil Jackson and Jay Moore. That's a freak. That's a freak, Joey. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. All right, keep going. So they they call their parent company is called Cinco Spirits Group. Uh huh. Because there were five of them. Cinco, and coincidentally, Joey, that's how many players are on a basketball team. Mm. It's also uh one less rings than Michael Jordan has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, they sold. <laughs> oh yeah, that's Kobe's rings. <laughs> Kobe's only a red wine guy, though. Um, they they talk how they have a Pappy Van Winkle like strategy where low production leads to a cult like following. I don't know what that means. Pappy Van Winkle? Uh, it's a really famous whiskey that uh, is very very expensive. Oh, I thought it was like a Washington Irving thing. Like it was like this guy was asleep for two hundred years. No, that's it's... why his whiskey's so good. <laughs> no, Pappy Van Winkle is like uh, it's like the foodies whiskey, and it's really expensive. Yeah. Well, this is this is also gross because they're talking about how um uh. They're trying to compete in the ultra luxury market, which is expanding mm-hmm. by forty percent. So they're really 
trying to wait until they've aged their tequila enough to sell it for like $2,000 a bottle. Mm-hmm. So the cheapest uh, bottle of uh, Van Winkle you can buy is $100. Okay, yeah. So with the Cinco tequila, well, the U.S. consumes 56% of the worldwide supply of tequila. That's kind of crazy. Okay, so they have... Uh, I can't tell how much they... I can't tell how much they go for it, but they've got... One that's aged eight to ten months, one that's aged twenty-four to twenty-eight, and then the extra anejo is like two thousand dollars. Cool, <laughs> very um, cool. Yeah, uh, does it come with a pair of? Money. Does it come with a pair of big ass jeans? Um, it should. It yeah, that's what they should come in like a denim <laughs> sleeve, right? Um, yeah. Okay, so the 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 cheapest bottle is one hundred and thirty dollars. Most expensive bottle is sixteen hundred. Um, and then let's see, is it worth it? What does Forbes.com say? It's actually just manufactured in a Jalisco distillery, which bottles 96 other, uh, other tequilas. Mm-hmm. This is a bolt. This is a scam, Joey. Yeah, of course it is. Michael. Oh, it's, it's aged in whiskey barrels. Uh-huh. Um, uh, can you read about the bottle, please? Yeah, please. Okay, so I want to know what the I want to know what the bottle looks like because I well, bet it's dumb. Yeah, it well, it is dumb. Joey. <laughs> it looks really stupid. I mean, okay, I don't really think that tequila bottles look that cool anyway. It seems like there's a lot of emphasis on the design there. Um, but Jordan basically made a VP at Nike design the bottle for mm-hmm. him. It looks like very cool, very cool. Uh, they've got a five-sided crystal container, which is a reference Ooh. to the five leaves of the agave plant. And, and the it, uh, five uh, incompetent NBA owners <laughs> that own it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it tilts upward at a 23-degree angle because of Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. which, fuck this tequila, Joey. <laughs> uh, I wish it tilted up. Is there a, like, what number degree would it have to tilt up in a nod to Genie bus? 69 degrees? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, is that because that's how old Phil Jackson, how much older Phil Jackson is than yeah, her? Yeah, 69% uh, <laughs> older than her. That's the only thing. Um, all right. Now, okay, so the last thing I want to say is uh-huh. they claim they tasted 1,000 different tequila blends before settling on a flavor. Joey, does this begin to explain some of the decisions these teams have made over the past three years? Um, yes. Yeah, just like, that's a lot of tequila to drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, ah, let's sign Lance Stevenson. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Terry Rozier. Like, like, that's how that Terry Rozier trade happened. Michael Jordan and Wick Grosbeck. Uh, just hammered on off-brand Jalisco things that they're tricking the American public. And they're like, yeah, give them a four-year deal. All right, trade you trading something. Sounds good. All right. Um, all right, let's talk about our last story. I guess we have a couple more stories, sorry. Um, let's talk about my man, my hero, uh, <laughs> food... Uh, the only man banned from competitive eating, yeah, uh, Kobayashi. 
Mm-hmm. Takeru Kobayashi, I believe his first name is. <laughs> yeah. Now this is the yeah he's not he's not uh, Kaiser Soze's lawyer. <laughs> um. So this is the most dramatic international competition of the week involving an NBA player. Uh. Miami Heat's Bam Adebayo was competing in a cheeseburger eating contest with Kobayashi, uh, the greatest competitive eater of all time. That, mm-hmm. Is that correct? I mean, uh, look, no. don't, don't add us Joey Chestnut stands. Look, Joey Chestnut has definitely won a lot more and eaten a lot more hot dogs, but uh, Joey Chestnut looks like a guy who would eat a ton of hot dogs. Kobayashi does not, and yeah, that's what weighs, makes him better. <laughs> he weighs like 140 pounds. Uh, and he has six-pack abs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I believe he's the one who invented the grossest thing in the world, which is dipping everything in water. <laughs> oh, yeah. that That's like... That's worse than any other NBA innovation in terms of making a sport unwatchable in terms of efficiency. Also, like, the water's colored. Are people sometimes dipping it in Gatorade? Is that uh, what's Joey Chestnut, I believe, dips it in Gatorade, yes. Uh, oh, wow, you made it more repulsive, <laughs> Joey Chestnut. Congratulations. And congratulations to the city of San Jose. Um <laughs> So, so Bam Adebayo is competing head-to-head with Kobayashi. They had five minutes to eat as many cheeseburgers as possible. I believe Kobayashi does have the world record for eating burgers. Uh, how many do you think Kobayashi managed to eat in, in five minutes, Joey? Um, I'm going to guess like 17. He, he managed to eat 20. Oh, wait, and how long? Uh, five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, that's I, he was taking it easy. I think. I think so too. I think these these seem like bigger. I think because they're cheeseburgers, I think they had more stuff on them. Okay. He was definitely still dipping them in water, though. Yeah, for uh, sure. How many do you think Bam Adebayo managed to eat in five minutes? I think I personally uh-huh. could eat. I don't know, three cheeseburgers in five minutes? It seems reasonable. Uh, and Bam Adebayo's like a giant man. Yeah, he is seven feet tall. Uh, I think he weighs like 250, probably. He could probably like. eat five cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. He ate one cheeseburger. Excuse Joey. me? He ate one cheeseburger. Was uh, Pat Riley there holding a gun to his head? Is that I why he only ate one? I think it is, because he was like, oh, this is a good charity, then I gotta get back to the gym. And he mentioned in the interview that he'd been measured at 7% body fat. So yeah, he, he admit, I'm gonna say this, not only did he go back to the gym and do extra work because Pat Riley was sending him angry texts and sending him like secret shirtless photos of him looking fat, uh, but I think, I'm pretty sure that Bam Adebayo uh, threw up that cheeseburger in the bathroom. <laughs> Um, well, that's hilarious. Um, who, what NBA player would you like to see compete against Kobayashi in an eating contest? Okay. Look, there's been a constant theme in the program. I'm ready for Dwight Howard to just really get fat. I I think he could eat a lot of burgers. I think he would just dip them in powdered sugar into the water. I think the farting could distract Kobayashi. Um, aside from that, Bam himself said that he thought Myers Leonard would have done really well in the competition. Oh, that's an interesting see, point. Yeah. Because I think Myers Leonard works out a lot and is probably constantly trying to get protein and... Plus he's in, intense in the kind yeah, yeah, yeah. of like uh, 
like in the kind of pointless intensity you'd need for an eating competition. I I when I imagine Myers Leonard competing at like his top level, it's him playing an incredibly aggressive brand of tetherball and just like <laughs> swapping the thing around and just going like, yeah, yeah, he wants some of that. And I can see him doing that to his own mouth, like being like, you want some of that, Myers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just historically, I think Hito Turkoglu could have done extremely well. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Tony Kukoc as well. You just tell him there's a game in 90 minutes, and he's like, well, I gotta gotta definitely consume 4,500 calories before... Well, doesn't this seem that? like one of those, like, legendary stories of uh, uh, Boris Diaw, where he, like, mm-hmm. casually walks in on a cheeseburger eating competition and then eats 17 <laughs> in two minutes, and then is like, what's the big deal? And then yeah. walks out. <laughs> oh, you won! And, he, and the clock's still running. And he's like, oh, there was a competition? Well, whatever, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to make an espresso in my car. <laughs> um, so that's my choice, is Boris uh, Diaw. Um, yeah, that's a good pick. <laughs> um, all right, let's just real quickly run through Team USA and then get yeah, out of yeah. here. Um, yeah. We'll talk about Heath Ledger's ghost on the Patreon later this week. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, so Team USA, we talked about it a little at the top. Uh Finished first, I mean, finished seventh at the FIBA World Cup. Okay. Uh, my first question, Sean, uh, who cares uh, about this? No no one cares. Like, like Bill Simmons kind of tried to care, and then even he lost interest. So no one cares. Um, even, even like, look, I respect everybody who's still writing about this, and uh, Dan Devine wrote a good column from The Ringer about, like, the future of Team USA. But the whole time... It's just so hard to look at it and not just be like, well, they they weren't able to get 32 of their top 36 choices. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess that what's the real problem with the team? Uh, Mason Plumley was able to make it. That's yeah. that's like inherently the problem. Somebody the was arguing with me earlier this week. I forget who it was that was like, well, you know, in a couple of years, uh, the world could one of the world could win it even if the USA brought their best players and I was like no if they re- if the US really sent all their best players uh the difference is uh like Serbia would have one Jokic uh-huh. and the USA would have 12 <laughs> yeah yeah and I think there I mean there there's definitely something to be said for these these kind of golden generation teams mm-hmm. that have played together a lot you know like Ricky Rubio and Marcus all spent Ricky Rubio and Marcus all have been playing together on the international team for like 11 years at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, you definitely saw that from Argentina too, where it's just like, uh, you know, like they, they play a lot internationally and especially guys who aren't even bound to the NBA where it's like, yeah, obviously Luis Scola is going to have better chemistry with Team Argentina than, uh, you know, Jalen Brown and Harrison Barnes are going to have. Uh, but no, it's like the closest it came. I guess the I guess the gold medal game in 2008 was pretty close. Mm-hmm. And that's with like the greatest team in the history of Spain. Right. Um, yeah, dude. But like, congratulations, Ricky Rubio on winning MVP. 
Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, we love him. He's he's uh, one of our favorite uh, our favorite little babies. Um, Look, dude, he always plays well on the big stage. Um, Sean. Uh, you're going to regret losing him, all the teams that, just like the Wolves regretted losing him. All right, that's our show. Sean. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I got a thing about coaches that are going to get fired. We did have to uh, cut the portion where I argue against Luke Walton's continued employment in any job, but uh, I think he might just get regular fired for basketball reasons, which is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you can read that on Yard Barker. And then uh, Sacramento Punchline this weekend, the 19th through the 21st. Is that right? Yes. Uh, hit me up. Send me a DM. I can probably hook you up with some guest lists, particularly Thursday night when I'm having all right, and then as for me, you can always follow me on Twitter, at Frankie Muniz, where I tweeted possibly the saddest thing I've ever tweeted. Uh, write a book so you can remember. Hashtag, hey, 19-year-old me. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sean, did you write a song? I did. It was a, It's a tribute to uh, a recently deceased musician, Rick Ocasek. Oh, I thought you were going to say Daniel Johnston. Oh, well, that maybe later. This is that that one. That one hit me too hard, even though. Yeah, um, yeah my I did learn R.A.P. Eddie Money. My grandpa used to drink with Eddie Money, apparently. And uh, oh, two tickets only to uh, Sincoro Tequila. I guess that's right. Yeah. He, uh, well, I asked about it because my grandpa would only call him Eddie Mahoney. Mm-hmm. And then. uh and then I asked my dad, I'm like, how did he know him? And he's like, oh, he apparently he knew Eddie's Coke dealer. So now I'm like, what was my grandpa's life? Like, what was he doing? Anyway, RIP, Coke fiend and Geico salesman, Eddie Mo. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Uh, trust the process. Trust the process. And uh, shut it down. Let's all remember that tequila is the only alcohol that feels like an upper. Um, and, uh, something about a hangovers. All right. Uh, we'll be back later this week with a Patreon episode. Yeah. Summer. NBA's upside down. The Mavs were a bummer Just brought Seth Curry to town I see them trade for DeLon Wright And his seven points per game A young team but the wheels are spinning They'll lose a lot of games They need a bigger name I got a treat for you, got a treat for you, got a treat for you, that's right. Put the hot stove on, replace Jose Wong, they gotta get go wrong. Uh oh, it's tragic. He's a slow bean. Uh oh, it's tragic. Dude needs a new team. I got a trade for you. Oh, conflicted. 
about future cap space. The Knicks got grifted. Don't worry about how to wait. I see Courtney Lee dribbling, then losing the ball. How long are you quibbling? Till Donnie realizes The tragic is your guy I got a scoring too Zoran's not coming through Let's get a W tonight Goron could score and pass Phoenix traded his ass Mark Cuban's really crass That's right Uh-oh, it's tragic He's on the block Retweets from magic His yacht is at the dock I got a trade for you Man, imagine how sweet it sounds up there in heaven Rick Ocasek Jamming with Daniel Johnston Eddie Money singing and on the drums, Jeffrey Epstein. Ow! That's rock and roll heaven, baby. Uh oh, it's tragic. Uh oh, it's tragic. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.